Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. WGR Sports Radio 550. It's time to take a look inside high school sports. Now, here's your host, Tony Caligiri. Inside High School Sports is brought to you by Minio and Sapio Italian Sausage. Taste the difference quality makes. Good morning and welcome to Inside High School Sports. I'm your host, Tony Caligiri, along with Tom Prince, WNY Athletics, and Mr. Roger Weiss is here, and we'll introduce our guests in just a minute. Sorry I missed last week, guys. Uh, still getting over pneumonia and a sinus infection. Let me tell you, man, this is no fun. Oh, oh you, you missed last week? Oh, you didn't notice I wasn't here? I just thought that makeover looked so good, and now why did you undo it? Oh, oh I'm sorry. It was the bald head, though, that, that worked for both of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't need to come here to be confused. If I want to be confused, I'll stay home with my wife. <laughs> she will confuse you for sure. How you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, got a chance last night to see a bunch of girls basketball. Saw some great athletes here in western New York. Get a chance to talk about it a little bit. That's awesome. And you guys have been doing uh, streaming games on WNY Athletics. You got, I mean, Frank Wolf has you guys all over the place. Yeah, no, I've definitely been running. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know what Frank's done with Western New York Athletics also uh, – you know, with his entire staff. It's just been absolutely incredible. Yeah, kudos to Frank, and I don't get to talk to him much anymore because he's so busy, and I'm so busy, so... And, and don't forget about Matt Todaro, too. Matt, behind the scenes, is the one that's doing all the websites and all the things just to make oh, sure everything works. Yeah, Matt's a big person behind it, too, and... Um, you know, I don't He's want to forget great guy. about Yeah, I don't want to forget about Matt either. So Yep, and uh, you know, we were talking before the show. I mean, we got upcoming shows coming up with Matt Aurora, yep. who's covering wrestling for you guys. Does a great job. Can't wait to have him on. Uh we're gonna be doing boys and girls basketball. Girls, I believe we're gonna have Nate Butel and uh Brian Baker in. By the way, happy birthday to his brother Mike. Uh we are gonna uh, working on trying to get center court in. We're probably talking January for center court, maybe second or third Saturday. We've got boys and girls hockey mm-hmm. coming up. I mean, this is a big year for girls fed hockey. Wait, he gets the birthday shout out. I get nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. Happy birthday time. I forgot. <laughs> about. You know, it, it's so difficult when you're sick trying I'm to keep track of everything. Uh, yeah, I tried my best. I miss a lot of work while I, uh, while trying to recover from this thing. And, you know, your brain is just like scrambled eggs while you're out sick. So I tried Tony, my best. Anthony, real quick, just want to mention, we mentioned last night four more games today at Kenmore West Girls Basketball this afternoon. Actually, this morning, what, 1130 is the first game, Tom? Yeah, 1130 <clears throat> is game one. Uh, that would be, what, Maryvale and Mount St. Mary's. Then we got Lockport and Olean. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh now I'm blanking. Help me out. Third game, uh, it'll He's come to me. He's having a senior moment. Yeah, oh yeah, um, my senior moment. Middle early's the last game playing. City um, Honors is in yeah, the last game yeah, with I'm sorry. Lake Shore, I City believe. City Honors, Lake Shore is the last game, yes. And uh, there's third, one game before then. 
it'll come to me. I'll, I'll, There's a lot of tournaments going uh, going on, and oh, that's yeah, like the, the cool time. Cool part of this year, whether it's boys or girls basketball, and, you know, everybody has their tip-off tournaments or their their holiday classics, things like that. Franklinville had theirs Thursday night, and if you saw, uh, Eden did a number on the defending Class D state championship. Well, Danielle Haskell is uh, out with a virus, so she's going to miss a, a week or so. So, and Eden looked very impressive, and they're going to play the uh, championship to the game today at. Franklinville against Frewsburg, who knocked off Southwestern. That's an impressive win for Frewsburg last night. So a lot of parity in Western New York. Uh, girls basketball, Anthony, and especially and boys basketball. I see Amherst beat Niagara Falls. Yes. Uh, that was one game uh, I watched. Coach Kenzie, what can we say about that? I think all three Kenzies are involved with that team now, if I'm not mistaken. Dad is no longer the coach at Maryvale, and I believe he's helping out Chris along with Garrett at Amherst. Of course, I want to keep. Uh, I haven't been able to. I haven't seen too much, but uh, how's Gil Licata doing so far with uh, Starpoint? I don't know. I haven't seen any results yet. Uh, oh, by the way, glad you mentioned that, Anthony. Next Friday night, be there or be square at Starpoint. Gil Licata versus uh, Joe Licata, cool. and I'm wondering what Paula Licata will. Is she going to sit at center court or? Is she going to go to the game? Because <laughs> that's going to be a nail-biter for her no matter what. But looking forward to that. Lakata versus Lakata. Do you guys have anything else for news and notes? So we, we absolutely want to say congratulations. Buffalo News has named their player of the year, C.J. Oslins from Canisius. Congratulations to, uh, to C.J. on winning the Buffalo News player of the year. Um, he was also named player of the year by Football Weekly and Mark Adair. So uh, congratulations to him goes out there. Uh, the entire first, second, and third team's honorable mention has been put out by the Buffalo News. Cool. So want to go ahead and make sure we recognize that. Yeah, Harry Skull uh, tweeted this morning. That's uh, about the player of the year. That's so a that was great neat. picture he did, by the way, too. That was He's phenomenal. The um, he really is. Him and Mark Adair, they take, like, amazing pictures. Uh we have some information, too. Russ Nixon has confirmed to Western New York Athletics that he has stepped down as the head coach of Niagara Wheatfield football team. So uh, that has actually happened also, so that we're, uh, um, wow. we're, we're there. Yep. Um, and then to talk a little bit about the games last night, boy, I got to tell you, if we look at just the, 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 the girl basketball players we saw last night, I may have seen one of the scrappiest players in Western New York, one of the best point guards in Western New York, and then an overall team and, and overall great player in Western New York, right? So when we say that is, when I talk about scrappy player, you took at Ken West, that Laura Cohn is just unbelievable what I watched her on the, on the court. One of the smallest people on the court – she had as many rebounds as anybody out there in the court. Really was a great point guard that was out there to be able to distribute her team. And then adding to that, Ashley Tucker was unbelievable out there. The, the offense runs through Ashley Tucker, whether it was whether she was down low, whether she was up high. The offense went through her, and Laura was able to help be the distributor to either set up Tucker or Tucker to get the ball back to her so she can nail some threes. She was great in the in the win of Ken West over uh, Olmstead. And then don't forget, Olmstead's got an amazing player. Gabby McDuffie was, um, you can just see the talent level she brings, the athleticism that she brings. She is just an unbelievable player, and uh, you can see that every time that she gets on the court. 
Well, you're setting it yeah. up when when Nate and Brian come in, they're going to have an awful lot of talk about with all these great players. And yes, Anthony, she is uh, Isaiah McDuffie's sister. Yeah, yeah. What a great so, family! Oh yeah, I mean, uh, they're no, going no, down. No <clears throat> they're going down to Alabama for a bowl game, I believe, uh, January second. They play in a bowl game, um, Boston College. So, <clears throat> Steve, uh, Melissa, Gabby, and. Isaiah's girlfriend, I forget her name, and I apologize. I was introduced last night. They're all going down New Year's Day for the January 2nd game and then coming back January 3rd. Must be great. Great for Western New York. We got football players playing in January 1st and 2nd bowl games. We got guys playing in the NFL. Kadri. Yeah, one of them. Kadri, J.C. Tretter, uh, Stefan Carlson from uh, Jamestown, right. uh, tight end for the Browns. Two well. of them playing for the Browns, too. They're playing in Lake Erie. That's, That's amazing. great. So we also had, which I thought, one of the best players in Western New York, Lydia Sweeney from Grand Island. She is legit a floor general. I watched her fit passes in in the smallest places yesterday. She is just unbelievable to watch out on the court. She is defensively great. She is a general great. She is a distributor great. And, oh, she can score, by yeah, the way, if too, by putting open, 20 points up three. on the board. But she does not, you know, if uh, her teammates got a better shot, she sees them out of the back of their eyes and puts them, like you say, she can throw bounce passes where they don't even have to break stride. Yeah. I mean, she just, it was just so fun to watch her. She really is something to watch and, and will be something that we're going to see more and more of as the year progresses. And, and how about that final game? Was that the a final classic game? game? A game 57-53. It was literally, it looked like it was going to go into overtime at one point. Amherst, St. Mary's, both teams legit. St. Mary's may have one of the best players in Western New York also. Oh, she's uh, a sophomore and is yeah. already being recruited by teams like Providence. Unbelievable. Yes. yes. Uh, she was on our uh, uh, first team last year, the Western New York Athletics team. Uh, Shea Chesky. Yeah, Shea Chesky. This, the, the, this girl was unbelievable. She came out with like five three-pointers to start off in the first half, and then oh, added a couple buckets to boot. She was just uh, unbelievable. To see. She literally kept that team in there the first, uh, the first half. And then the second half, I thought what happened with St. Mary's is their bigs were able to really get into the game, and their bigs helped control the oh, game. Yeah, when they put the it. three big girls yeah. out there along with uh, Shea Chesky, yeah. wow. Tough. And then, they're they're going to be tough. And yet Hammer's held tough. Uh, how about Emma Klein and uh, Ella Wanzer? Yes. Is El that a one-two combination or El what? Ella Wanzer, another point guard that was out there distributing the ball. But again, what I was also impressed with with Amherst was they had people that were not as big as St. Mary's but still could go down low and bang and do the things that needed to be done to help win that game. That Amherst team's legit. I interviewed um, Ella after the game. They've got a state uh, championship aspirations. They've and got they're all a team underclassmen. To, right. They've got a team to do this, and it'll be Most very, very more interesting. Most of them juniors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just – like I say, it was a pleasure, especially that last game. That was an epic game, and uh, you know we could we could talk on the whole segment. Unfortunately, I got a couple of gentlemen here to my right waiting uh, for their turn, so <laughs> I suppose we should uh, 
back off on it. But, yeah, it was great to be at uh, Ken West last night. And, again, four more games there today. Yeah, so watch WNY Athletics for all updates. I'll have post-game interviews out there as well as on Twitter. So please, you know, follow. There's going to be some great girls basketball. But we'd also like to talk about our G&G Coach of the Week. You could go to LiveFit.com to nominate a coach at any time. Our Coach of the Week, DJ Giancola, the Niagara Falls Wrestling Upset win over Niagara Wheatfield. Congratulations, Coach. Yeah, Matt O'Rourke uh, posted that on our page, and he felt that you know this is a young Niagara Falls wrestling team, and for them to be able to take down one of the premier programs was pretty big. So uh, congratulations to Coach DJ G&G Fitness Coach of the Week. All right, one, one thing that I wanted to get into today, and I invited – a couple of my friends from Niagara Falls Junior Football Club. We have Bill Casale, who is president. He's also the COO of Buffalo Riverworks. And we have Chuck Fink, who is a coach at Niagara Falls Junior Football Club and also Niagara Falls police officer. And the reason why I invited these gentlemen in studio is it looks like the ban on tackle football is going to pass subcommittee, which means... Now it'll go to the state to vote, just to simplify it. And if it passes that, say goodbye to youth football. It'll be gone. And uh, I've invited these gentlemen in to talk about the importance, not only youth football, but youth sports. And Tom Prince, you, you know, your involvement with uh, Southtown's baseball, uh, you've been doing this for a long time. You know the importance of youth sports. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome to the program. Good, Good morning. morning. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. Now, Bill, uh, you're one of the founding members, along with Ray Turpin, that started NASA, one of the biggest uh, youth organizations, uh, not only in New York State but in the uh, Northeast. So you've seen uh, youth football go from the ashes to the pinnacle, you know, with what NACE is doing. And there's some great stuff coming out of it. Uh, we talked before the program uh, with Ray Turpin. They had a, uh, a big meeting in, in Binghamton, and what they're trying to do is put a coalition together. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's obviously something new in 2019. It's the New York State Council on Youth Football. Um, they did put it together in 19. It's a nonprofit organization uh, committed to improving uh, and advancing the sport of youth football across New York State. There's a governing body of USA Football. This is to, to, to represent New York State and get some members involved, high school and youth football. It's very important. I mean, you know, you talk about, and I want to get both of your opinions right now. If youth football is banned, the effect that'll, the ripple effect that it'll have, uh, Chuck. Well, one of the one of the effects it's going to have is. We take these kids off the street. You, you, you get to our community, and they, they rely on team sports. They rely on us as coaches for, to help them grow. And without youth football, what do they have to do now? They, there, there's nothing for them out there except to play and, and to get friends and, and, and to have a family within football. I mean, you have a long history with youth football, not just yourself, but your father and coaching at Cataract for so many years, and the things that you learned from him. Absolutely. Uh, he, he mentored a lot of kids, uh, and that's seen every day when I have grown-up adults coming up to me saying, hey, your dad was my coach, and he taught me this and this and this. It, it's, it's inspiring. Bill, your thoughts on the ban? 
it's it's tragic to even think that we're talking about this for what youth football does for individuals, for what it did for me professionally. I, I, I have to owe a lot of my success as a professional to what I learned in youth football through coaches, through mentors, through responsibility, through lessons we learned. It's tremendous. Um, it, it represents more than just a contact sport. Um, like Chuck said, these kids have not, not much more to do. Inner city kids have nothing more to do other than football. It's very prominent in Buffalo. Their numbers are growing progressively every year. We've talked to James Mallory from uh, the Buffalo Vets. Their numbers are through the roof. Um, yeah, so much so that the other leagues are going in there and raiding them for players. Exactly. But you take that away from them, what what do you have then for them to – what outlet do they have then? Then they just hang out on the street. It could be, it could be a difficult situation. Roger? Yeah. <clears throat> My question uh, would be, and I'm glad we have a, you know, a police officer here. All right. Yeah, so, so you better behave. <laughs> I know. Hey, Anthony, I don't try to behave. It just works out that way. I'm yeah, sorry. right. <clears throat> but my question is this. Okay, no more football. Youth football. All right. So now i got a bunch of kids that want to play football. All right. A Street's going to challenge B Street for a game. <clears throat> You're, uh, I'm there supervising, refereeing and all that. Can you come up to me and arrest me for uh, violating the... Uh, if they're in pads. My point is, where do you draw that line? <clears throat> I should have prepped you beforehand, and I apologize, <laughs> but seriously, though. <clears throat> okay, you can't have NASA and all these other organizations having, quote, organized football where do you draw the line between organized and unorganized and does an adult being at that unorganized make it organized well just the training that we receive alone through nasa and usa football um we get training on concussion protocol we get training on heat heat exhaustion um sudden cardiac arrest syndrome we're trained to, to notif- notice these things you're going to put a Joe Blow down the street, who's in charge of these kids. And an one kid ends up with a concussion. Is he going to be liable? He could be liable, absolutely. Not to mention the background checks that we do and some of the other screening that we do. There's a lot of great professional individuals involved with youth football. And, you know, Chuck is one of them. If we look at all of NASA alone, they're all, there's councilmen. There's uh, a lot of professionals that are representing these kids that don't even have kids playing anymore. We're here to mentor and help these kids. Tom? So here's what I've got. No matter what, they're going to move forward unless we come up with a reason for them not to, right? Or some sort of solution. And I think you're going down the right road of the solution right there. What's your organization does? The problem is not all organizations do this throughout New York State. And that is there has to be some sort of protocol for a coach to be approved to coach, period. There has to be X amount of hours, X amount of learning on on concussions, and that should be the law that gets passed on mandating what you're going to do to actually coach out there versus what we're doing right now is you do it as an organization, which is fantastic, but you are not the organization that this law is going to be based on. It's somewhere that the fly that, that by we're night not, absolutely that we're not even talking about here. So my thing is that we should be talking about is what sort of legislation can we move forward to be able to say here's the training for a coach and what does that look like? 
Yeah, well, USA Football has been leading that charge, first of all. So it starts at the national level, but now it's in the state level with the New York State Council of Youth Football. And that's why that was formed, to try and regulate a lot of this, to get everybody with the same training, to get everybody with the same credentials to represent their organizations and their kids. We're better as a large group than we are as individuals. We can all call and have our parents call and complain to these politicians, but until we all get on buses like the, the Western New York Amateur Football Alliance had said they were are willing to do to go to Albany as groups. Um, so it's it, it starts from the national level, but now it's into the state level. So USA Football has led that charge, but now the state council is also involved with that. And hopefully what are some of the benefits that. for an organization to be a part of this? The part of the alliance? Yes. Well, obviously... We're all certified. We all wear badges at every game. So if you're a parent from the sideline, you look over and you see a badge hanging from an individual coach's neck, you know he's had the proper training. Uh, NASA is very diligent about auditing coaches. We go to games every, every week to make sure the coaches are, have adequate training and, and, and they fit what they say they have. We have a list of coaches who have completed the training. There's fines that we uh, allow out now to, to teams that are not complying with these issues. So we take it very seriously. There's 17 municipalities within NASA. And uh, so, and we govern them very well through our, our executive board, with I, Ray, starting with Ray Turpin. I don't know if you can answer this or not, or if you if you have the information. But you know, I me- I mentioned NASA a lot. But what are some of the other organizations that are climbing on board? Other well, leagues. Um, Ray from- Turpin and I go to the national conference every year. It's been in Orlando the last few years. This year, it's going to be in Kentucky. So we get to talk to a lot of the coaches throughout the country, and the numbers are dropping. We're all having the same problem. So I think that the organizations that are going to start taking this serious um, are the ones that are going to succeed. Now, USA Football has started some football development models. They're starting with things like flag football. They're th- starting with things like rookie tackle. So they're trying to create a progression to get kids to start at a young age and transition more into the tackle game. But it's paramount that they learn at a young age how to tackle properly than to throw them in at 12 years old and say, all right, good luck. Here's some pads. Have at it. I mean, you know, playing against 15, 18-year-old kids in high school, that could be a disaster. So I hope they take a harder look at that and see what effect that's going to have. All right, gentlemen, let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, we'll delve more into this and, you know, the benefits and the, and the things like and, and how is the game safer? And I also want to touch on some of the misinformation that is being put out there to scare people away from playing youth football. And I think that is what has been driving the politicians, especially in downstate, and trying to ban it. So we'll have all of that and more. You're listening to Inside High School Sports on WGR Sports Radio 550. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We're back. You're listening to Inside High School Sports. I'm your host, Tony Kelly-Jury, along with Tom Prince from WNY Athletics and Mr. Roger Weiss. We are joined by Bill Cassell, uh, president of Niagara Falls Junior Football Club, Chuck Fink, head coach, Niagara Falls Cobras. He 
is the Aaron Studio. And we're talking about the ban on tackle football. As I mentioned in the last segment, it looks like they have the votes to get it out of subcommittee, which means uh, they'll vote that. I think it's early January. Then after that, it goes to the state. If the state passes it, uh, no tackle football, anybody 12 years old and under, which would pretty much wipe out youth sports. And uh, we're getting into talking about the things that we could do to make the game safer. And we've talked over and over about what USA football has done with heads up. But there's a lot of misinformation out there. And a lot of it is being thrown out by a former NFL player. And what people need to be leery of is anybody could post a study. Oh, this study says this, this study says that. But unless it's, what do they call it, peer verified, uh, peer reviewed, it really means nothing. It's just an opinion at that point. And if you go to Save a Youth Football on Facebook, you'll see tons of articles that are showing you the benefits of not only youth football but youth sports and where the uh, real dangers are. We've talked about soccer as more concussions than football. So you have to be careful of where you're getting your information from. Yeah, but Anthony, you say studies. Are there really studies out there about uh, men who 40 years ago played youth football and maybe JV football and stopped and that are on concussion protocol? I'd find that hard to believe that there's any kind of study. So how can they say studies this, studies that? Uh, like we were saying during the break, Jason Strauslick, I don't think he got all his problems uh by playing youth football, I think it probably came at the higher level. Same thing with Dave Durson. I don't know if you remember Dave Durson. Yeah, Durson for the Bears. From the Bears and went to Notre Dame and all that. He committed suicide. They blamed his football playing career and concussions leading that. I believe it would have been in the, uh, like you say, the Bears and maybe Notre Dame as opposed to what hits he took in youth football. This is why I find this whole thing outrageous, and it's just, I just don't think we have enough information on I'm CTE sure we don't. yet. I'm sure we don't. No, you we, know, we definitely not, don't. Not only do we not have enough information, but my problem is if we're going to go on information that's based over 20 years ago or even longer, football was a different game back then, right? This is where it was blatant head-to-head contact. It was blatant that you were tackling in, in, in a way that is not taught in today's game. It is a different game that you are comparing these concussions to to what it is now. Back when I played, going back 40 years ago, I mean, your good game was based on how many paint licks you could have on your helmet. Exactly. Uh, I mean, battle scars. uh, Battle scars. Like, oh, look at I got this green paint, this red paint, this red paint. Because we were taught to put your head on the ball, lead with the head, lead with the head. Um, and you got your bell ring, and two plays later, what do you mean you're not ready to go back in? Yeah, that was the mentality. Absolutely. And now with heads up football and and the shoulder tackling system, you're taught to keep your head out of the out of the way. You're taught to t- tackle with your shoulder, keep your head up, look, drive, look, look through the guy. And Chuck, it, you and I have been have shared the uh, sidelines the last three years. How many violent hits have you seen? Not many. Uh, I mean, as far as violent hits where a kid gets injured, no. I, I mean, can't name any. hard hits, but... 12 and under, it simply uh. doesn't happen very often. Right. There's more kids falling off their bikes in their neighborhoods getting hurt than there is at football under 12 years old. Well, most of our major injuries this year came from the playground. 
Kid came in, I broke my arm falling off the monkey bars or, or right. something like that. It wasn't from football. So I, I've got the chance to coach also t- tackle football at the youth age. And my team that I had coached was six, seven, eight-year-olds. Okay. Oh, they're funny. <laughs> they're funny, but I do think that there is a too young, right? And I always had felt even that the six-year-old is very tough, especially when you're going against an eight-year-old. Bodies are completely different that are out there uh, when you go head-to-head. Is I do like what I'm hearing is that there's going to be more, we start teaching more of a ramp-up style, right? Like In other flag. words, something a little bit younger to get into to where it is. So maybe it starts at eight or nine to where the real the, the tackling starts to begin, but we have an introduction period to get to that point of uh, – of tackle. Yeah, there's a progression, especially in NASA. We're adamant when we have rule change committee meetings. We just had one this past week uh, at NASA. We try to keep the age groups within reason. And two years is where we see it being a little bit more safer than three years. Three years is a big uh, difference in age groups. But there's so much more awareness now. There's so much more uh, safety components like helmet certification. We uh, mandate that each organization must have their helmets recertified every two years. That's what the manufacturers recommend. Tony, you remember a few years ago, we had trainers on every sideline. They were reviewing injuries and reporting injuries. We had return to play protocol for any player that we suspected of having an injury. That did not occur 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I woke up this morning, my shoulder's killing me, my back hurts. I played a lot of youth sports. I would do it all over again. I think most of us would. Oh, for sure. Listen, I'm a track and field guy, okay? I was a high jumper back in my day. I can't walk because I was a high jumper in what I did. So it doesn't matter what the sport is. You're going to have long-lasting effects to no matter what it is. We talked about it. Baseball, okay? Everybody knows I cover baseball. What's going to happen now that we're seeing kids throw – is 75 miles an hour, and on a smaller diamond, you're seeing that, which is equivalent to a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and they get hit in the head, right? Okay, what's going to happen to the soccer player that is as aggressive as any of the players that are on the field and that are heading the ball and using the head and hits it right on the crown of their head? We could sit here and go, it happens to every sport. It's got to be more of a teaching thing, not a ban. Well, you look at it, it's the slippery slope. And, and you and I talked before the program. Oh, you know, a, a kid can get hit in the head with a fastball. We need to ban baseball. Yeah. Which is which which to me is just completely, you know, absurd that, that we're even having other people make this conversation. Because to me, if if I'm a legislator. You're supposed to be representing all the people. You cannot tell me you are representing all the people right now that you are getting calls that are saying, this should be banned. There should be a ban for 12U and under. There's no way that's happening. There's more to this story because of a couple people that are actually out there giving, like you said, which is probably false information. Well, you know, and, and I get go back to that former NFL player who his opinion is, if you let your child play youth football, that's child abuse. That's insane. That's absurd. We all played it. We all did it. We all got through it. Anthony, the other thing, and I'll direct a question to our guests, this thing about age. You said six, seven, and eight. You know, and I know Anthony's going to accuse me of doing my number geek thing again, but you have, when it's six, seven, and eight, now you have a kid who's five, by one day he turns six, he makes a grade. So for all practical purposes, ooh, 
let me try that one again. Purposes, <laughs> he's a five-year-old versus uh, an eight-year-old who, if he was born two days earlier, would be ineligible. Now this six to eight thing goes from like five to nine, which is why I don't like age. And, I mean, you could have an eight-year-old that weighs twice as much as a six-year-old. Doesn't weight come into play? And what what is this thing about age? Age is so different between... You know, you could have two pers- people the same age, that one's a late bloomer and one's an early bloomer. This is what I don't like about the age thing, and this is just more added fuel to this miserable fire. It's like just throwing more gasoline on. But still, this is the whole thing, and, you know, and you know, I don't have kids, so I don't have grandkids, and I'm still fired up about this thing. This is wrong. Right. Well, we've seen age does matter. Age means more than weight especially in youth football. We've had we've gotten away from the three-year differences in age groups. And when you get, you know, we used to have weights when kids were too big, they had to move up to a team and play with older kids. And there were more injuries then because that younger kid who weighed a lot more had to move up. Since we've moved to unlimited striper rules, which means the bigger kids have to play on the line, they can't carry the ball, we've seen a lot less injuries. And I know that's a national fact. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know age means a lot. We used to have a waiver rule where if a kid was lighter, he could play on a team below, and he would be a three-year player, and that kid would tear it up. He was laying kids out. He was unbelievable far and above the other kids that he played football with. So we see that age, you know, with weight restrictions, striper rules has been the best model for us in NASA. And I know, you know, nationally in USA football, it differs. But that's why the progressive model of flag to rookie tackle at young ages is so important. Because if we don't do it ourselves, somebody's going to want to do it for us. Is the youngster who is, has to, the striper rule has to play the line, is he allowed to move up so he doesn't have to play a line in a higher age uh group is he allowed to do that yes he is but but then again um we do see a very we don't encourage that and rarely does that happen but there is a parent out there that wants them to move up and play with the bigger kids um well rather than play the line you could parent right i'm worried about the parent who insisted his child plays in a skilled position he would still be playing the line Yes. Even if they moved them up? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm I mean, sorry, he's still going to play line. If you have a kid that's over, like my weight level, he can't the move. 10, 11-year-old, you're 135, any kid that's going to be 160 at my age level, you pretty much know he's going to play the line his whole career just because of how big, bigger bone or, or, or bigger And he doesn't have the speed to play right. the skill positions, usually. Right. I'm sure if there was that one exception that there was somebody that big, that athletic ability, yes, they would play the other positions. But normally at the younger ages, you don't find that is, is what it is. Okay, thank you. You had a question, Tom. So here, here's my question, okay? Let's look at right now down in the South Towns. We've got some smaller towns out there that are struggling to put football teams together, right? And what I have always said is you need the youth programs to be able to sustain what's going on at the high school level and beyond. My question is if this happens – to the smaller towns. I'm not necessarily worried about the Niagara Falls, the Lancasters, the Orchard Parks, because there's still going to be teams out there that'll be there. Uh, let's talk about a, a Portville. Let's talk about a Southwestern, right? Let's East talk Aurora, about Holland, e- e- all these okay. communities yes. that are combining Let's teams. talk about them. What's the chances that a team now would get put on the field without having youth football they would be gone it's already happening you're already seeing seven on seven leagues being formed because the numbers aren't what they once were and that is a lot of perception you know let's face it a lot of moms don't want their kids playing football but 
if you don't have these feeder programs from young ages, there will not be any more high school football in 10, 15 years without football before 12 years old. Kids learn it, they love it, and they want to play it through their careers. I think, you know, there's a lot to go into all this. I mean, it's a big, huge equation. You have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, fly-by-night leagues where the coaching is subpar. We have to do away with that. You, and you mentioned it, Bill, uh, the importance of the certification and things like that. Parents need to ask questions. They need to find out you know, what the leagues are all about. And I think one of the problems that, that we face is too many coaches, and, and we see it in NASA, I, I, at least from my point of view, is too much emphasis is on winning. Our job as youth coaches is to prepare a child to play high school. We It's up to us to teach the fundamentals so that when they get to the high school level, they can compete. We had a coach several weeks ago say that sometimes he wishes that the kids didn't play youth football because he feels that he has to spend too much time correcting what the, uh, what the kid learned at the youth level. Yeah, I mean, the youth level is doing a nice job, though, of preparing these kids to play football moving forward. Again, the rookie tackle and the, you know, the, the football development model gets these kids uh, taught at a level when they're very young, and, and there's some alternatives coming. Uh, it's going to be regulated by USA Football rather than legislation. We think that's a better route to take rather than be forced to do something and take kids out of the game. This is going to be catastrophic. I don't have stats how many kids play football in New York State. i got to assume it's in the hundreds of thousands. You know, the next concern I would have is if you look at the other sports, okay, not that I'm going to compare football to another sport, but I will in this essence. Travel has taken over at the youth level at every single sport besides football. It's probably the only one that doesn't have the travel component in the essence of where somebody can just take a team and go out and travel and play anywhere. Now all bets are off. New York State puts a ban on what kind of travel teams are we going to see put in place that will travel outside of state to play games so that they can keep playing football? And then what does the cost of football do? And what does the cost happen around here? Well, look at the studies and the discussion that's going on that, you know, with travel, you're pricing out people where they can no longer afford to participate. Travel, as you know, travel baseball is expensive. Travel hockey is probably ridiculous. Yeah, no, and, and that would be my next concern is what now becomes the component for those people that really want to play, and it will be a travel component where you'll see them go to Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, everywhere to travel just to be able to make sure they could play football sure. every weekend. And let's face it, you know, travel teams are all-star teams. Everybody wants to put together that powerhouse. And they're very political. Right, and what they're going to forget are that there's going to be kids left behind. NASA has implemented a, a minimum play rule for our kids. Each kid has to play, you know, minimum amount of games in a game. That's not going to happen in travel. You're going to have the all-stars, the good kids at every level, and you're going to leave out those kids that aren't going to be able to play other sports as well. All right, guys, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll finish our discussion. Don't forget, Sports Talk Saturday follows us at 11, and you have the Sabres and the Islanders at 1 o'clock right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. We're back. One last segment. Tom Prince had to scoot. Thank him for hanging out this morning. Don't forget, Sports Talk Saturday follows us. 1 o'clock, Sabres and the Islanders can Jack Eichel keep it up. Come on, Eichel. They're talking about Eichel for the Hart Trophy. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, of course, tomorrow night, 
Bills and the Steelers. I'm not going to lie. I'm really nervous about this game. Uh, yeah, first, the Steelers win. They're the fifth seed, and the Bills drop down to the sixth seed. Oh. And, uh, of course, you know, if the Bills don't make the playoff, it means they would lose to the, both New England and the Jets, which I don't see happening. I like their chances tomorrow night uh, against the fourth-string quarterback. Here's the thing. You know, the, uh, my buddy Rick Roballo posted this. The Bills have not beaten the Steelers in Pittsburgh in the regular season since 1975. Wow. wow. Yeah, when O.J. Simpson ran wild on them. Although you did win that one crucial playoff game in Pittsburgh. Well, and that was the one with Frank Reich at uh, quarterback, right? Because Kelly was out. It could have been. I'm pretty sure been. Reich was, uh, was the quarterback uh, for that game. And, of course, we all remember when the Steelers knocked the Bills out of the playoffs and they had all second-string players out there. That one still oh, bothers yeah, that me. one, yeah. All right, back to talking uh, about our topic today, and that is the proposed ban on tackle football. And, Bill, one of the things we have to look at is how do we get the numbers back up? We've talked about the safety aspect, and uh, you mentioned how uh, we don't even hit that much in practice anymore. No, obviously we have to follow. As NASA is a part of USA Football, we follow their practice guidelines. So that alone limits contact to 30 minutes a day. We can only practice three days a week once the season starts. Um, I've been fortunate to coach a very great team the last few years with the Vipers, with head coach Ron Cerrito. Uh, we went undefeated last year, won the championship. We did not hit at all in practice. And we've been preaching that throughout our whole league and throughout the city. We promote in schools as well. We are not making contact. For those kids you know, that are on the fence of playing modified or JV or still their last year or two of youth, we definitely recommend they should come and play youth because we think we have a much safer game. We have things like the tackle wheel. We have things like the shadow men that we I use. I love the shadow man dummies. Absolutely. So that's, Explain to people what the shadow man dummy is. It's a simulated human being. You have a, one of the kids pull it around. It's weighted on the bottom. It has numbers on it so you can tell them throughout the top or the bottom where you want them to target, which is usually with your head up, teaching with your head up, you know, lowering the shoulder and tackling more with the shoulder than the head. It's been a great tool for us. You know, another thing that we've done, and I'm – you know, really proud of this. Uh, and Chuck, you could testify. When Chuck and I have been coaching the Cobras for the last three years, uh, and one of the things that we emphasize is working with our, what we would call our second unit. Chuck would often take the starting offense and they would work and, and do their thing. But uh, Salman Joan, uh, Joe Fabiano, uh, Mark Nicoletti, and myself would spend countless amount of time with the second guys teaching them, getting them up to speed. Chuck, how did we do defensively against your first-team offense? Oh, you, you always gave us a hard time. You, you always gave us a hard time. Because uh, the kids learn to tackle and play it the right way. And they learn a position. And one of my, one of my pet peeves is you teach a kid a position. You know when, when we're going through our drills, this kid looks like he's a linebacker. This kid looks like he's a lineman. We don't hide kids in the middle like, like some people. You, you train them to be a defensive back you train them to be a lineman and if you do that and they get sean mcdermott you you do one eleventh of the job you do you you do your job you we teach you to go one yard deep you go one yard deep and and then you're going to stop the play you you train these kids up you took the defense and made my first team offense work hard yeah, and that's... And I resent you. <laughs> <laughs> you should have heard Don't what he said about coffee. you during the break. <laughs> oh, you're going to kill me here. The uh, you know, so the importance of, of getting, as I said, is getting the kids ready for the next level. 
at the Cobras, we got them ready for the Vipers so that when you and Ronnie got them, they were prepared. You and Ronnie Cerrito are getting those kids ready to play high school football. Yeah, there's a progression, and that's what we have to follow. If we were you know, obtaining these kids at 12 years old, we would have a lot more work to do. I mean, we're volunteers. Obviously, all youth sports is volunteers throughout New York State. And this is a statewide problem. This goes from Long Island to Newport, from Watertown to Binghamton, and even New York City. You know, that's why the state council is getting involved. They want to help regulate all this. They want to help change the perception of football, and they want everybody to band together. So I'm going to suggest everybody goes to nyscyf.org. That's New York State Council on YouthFootball.org. You can see all the list of the participants throughout the, the state and what the council is doing to help save this game for our, our state and for our nation. Yeah, and it's not, as we said, it's not just nation. I know Pop Warner is getting involved. You know, Pop Warner's been around forever. You know, maybe a couple of different rules, but the goal is the same. They're getting involved. And as I mentioned earlier, there are other leagues in Western New York that are also getting involved. So what we need to do is to get rid of the fly-by-night leagues, the ones that come in and go around promising you a new pair of spikes or uh, 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 you're going to go play in Florida for a national championship. you got to get rid of them because they're not out for the best interest. They're just there to win. They're not preparing kids to play football. And that's one of the problems we have to we have to uh, face. And there's also a fine line. You know, as you mentioned, coaches are volunteers. How much do we put on that volunteer? You know, are we going to put so much on it that we dissuade the person from wanting to do it? It's just, we put in a lot of hours. Yes, we got to keep it fun for everybody. You know, a lot of the executive board members and NASA were coaches. They administered their leagues. You know, with myself being involved with Niagara Falls Junior Football, I'm the secretary of NASA. We travel to the conference. You know, our wives look at us and say, are you guys nuts? Why are you doing this? We don't have kids playing anymore. But again, the benefits of youth sports and youth football and for what it does for the character of these individuals, we think it's well worth it. You know, if we don't do it, who is going to? I can't offer anything in basketball, so I my coaching career would end as a youth uh, administrator if they took away this role, as, as a lot of ours would in New York State. Now, uh, I know this is going to really get some of the other organizations goat, but if you want to play for the Niagara Falls Vipers or Cobras, how do you go about doing that, Bill? NFJFC.com. We used to be the Moose Bulls uh, many years ago. We're known as the Purple Team throughout That's Western what I New hear York. the most. <laughs> yes, and I played on that organization. Uh, you know, we used to travel a little bit. We went to Florida. High character organization. We've had the same board members for the last 15 years, committed people, many Many of us don't have kids playing anymore. It's just a great regulated organization uh, and a great member of, of NASA. Guys, I can't thank you enough for spending time uh, with me this morning. Getting this information out there, uh, hopefully it, uh, it clarifies things for somebody who might be on the fence and is thinking about letting their child play football. Believe me, folks, it's safe. You can let them play football. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Roger. We'll talk to you next week with more Inside High School Sports. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 